want to talk to you just from the scriptures today. Um, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is John chapter 17. And uh, in John chapter 17, we find that Jesus is praying what we, we call it, uh, his high priestly prayer. You know, uh, the high priest went before, uh, went to God, before God for the people. He was the mediator. And here um, we've got this situation where Jesus is going back to heaven. And he speaks to God on, on his own behalf because he is going to go to, into death then, of course, he'll go to heaven. But uh, he speaks to God on his own behalf. Then he speaks on behalf of his disciples. And Jesus did not forget about us. I preached a message from this a number of years ago. And I titled it, Jesus Prayed for You. So I want us to take a look at this scripture in light of that. Now, let's look at chapter uh, 17 verse 1, uh, and uh, the uh, title of the message is Jesus, our high priest, someone who goes uh, to God on behalf of another and who also makes sacrifices. And Jesus did not uh, make an, an animal sacrifice, he sacrificed himself. So Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And so what happened, let's go back to, to verse 1, and I want you to put verse 1 back on the screen. Uh, verse 1 says, um, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So Jesus Christ puts all of uh, our faith, everything that we believe in, everything that we hope in, in this one bundle. So a lot of times you'll meet believers, especially new believers, who will have an understanding, a particular understanding of a scripture, and they'll make it all about their limited understanding. Every discussion is about their limited understanding. But what Jesus does in this passage, he lets us know what everything is about. Now, notice here, he spoke these words, lifted up his eyes. But what words did he speak? That's the question. What words did he speak before he said those, these amazing, powerful things? Let's look at John 16, verses 31 through 33. Uh, John 16, 31 through 33 Jesus answered them, do you now believe? He asked the question, and this is a question that you and I must answer. Do you now believe? You can say, yes, I believe, but there's something called mental assent, and it's not biblical believing. You know, the Bible says that even the demons believe and tremble. 
I remember a number of years ago, I was preaching, and I still believe this. I was saying, you, every day you wake up, the number one thing you must do is believe. You know, that's, all, that's what you have to do. Every day you wake up, believe. And someone, uh, one of my critics, came on television radio and said, you have to do more than believe because the demons believe. I said, no, he misunderstood that demons believe in the sense of giving mental assent. They say mentally, yeah, yeah, uh, God is, because they knew it. They knew Jesus was who he said he was, but they could not believe or did not believe unto salvation. They could not believe unto salvation. So so Jesus goes on to say, do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, and has now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. But Jesus was not saying to them, I'm going to uh, uh, cause you to be scattered. Jesus wasn't saying that. Because God tells us the truth about what is going on in our lives doesn't mean that he wants it to go on in that manner. And so he told them what was going to happen. He said, even though they would all leave him alone, all of them professed love for, for, for Jesus. You and I have professed love for Jesus. We, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. But when the going gets tough, do you still love him? Do you walk it out? And that's the question. You and I are living in an age of the day when things are getting worse and worse and worse, and even in, in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Are you with me? So we, we, have, we must make a commitment to the Lord and stick by that commitment. True love is committed no matter how bad things get. You know, when you and I say, well, I love him as, as long as he doesn't do uh, X, Y, Z, or I love her as long as she doesn't do X, Y, Z. No, that's not biblical love. I love you. I love you. I love you when it's good. I love you when it's bad. When it's good, I'm loving you and enjoying it and thinking and wanting it to last forever. When it's bad, I'm going to love you through it. <laughs> Are you with me? Yeah. So that's how that works. So Jesus says, and yet I am not alone. These are the things he, he was saying to his disciples before he uh, gave us this, this amazing revelation in John 17. He says, and yet I am not alone. Even though you leave me, I am not alone. Because the Father is with me, and the Father can't leave him alone. And I love this about Jesus because Jesus cannot leave me. Jesus cannot leave you. If Jesus leaves me, he denies who he is. He can't leave me. You know, no, that's not a threat. It's just a fact. It's the truth. He says, these things I have spoken to you. These things I have spoken to you. So when Jesus speaks it, he doesn't ever take it back. When Jesus says, when he calls you to something the, the, uh, or gives you a gift, he doesn't take it back because you fail. Because the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. I think one version says they're without repentance. So Jesus doesn't repent. Oh, I'm sorry, I gave you that. <laughs> Jesus knew that we would fail before he gave it to us. So we should always, if we should stumble, we should stumble toward the Lord. Some of y'all haven't been listening to him. <laughs> or, or, or you don't get, catch my signals, you know. So, so this is what he says. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Peace. And peace, uh, Irene, 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 you know. That's, but Irene, but peace is, is to restore that which is broken. So you will have a, not a broken relationship, but a, a bonded relationship with God no matter what you go through. And so he says, in the world you will have 
tribulation. Now, you will have. Why is there so many Christians, when things get tough, they say, Lord, I thought you loved me. Why me? He just told us that, that, that in the world, you will have tribulation. You will have it. Doesn't matter how holy you are. Doesn't matter how nice you are, good you are, how cute you are, or how not so cute you are. <laughs> in the world, you will have tribulation. But listen to what he says. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus was resolute. He says, be of good cheer. No, that's, that's like saying, rejoice, be happy. Come on, you know, go get you a Coca-Cola, you know, or, or get an ice cream cone, or get a uh, Bahama Bucks, you know. That's kind of like saying that. You know, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And Jesus could say that because he was so resolute within himself. He says, I've already beaten the world. He had beaten everything that they had thrown at him. He had come to his own. His own rejected him. Can you imagine that? You come to your own people. They don't want you. Why? Because he didn't fulfill their own wicked expectations. And this is what, so then Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven after he had said that and says, Father, the hour has come. Many, many places in scripture, Jesus says, it's not my time. It's not my hour. My hour has not come. My, but then he says, hey, the hour has come. He's, he's, he's going to go to the cross uh, shortly thereafter. He says, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Magnify me. Show honor. That's what that means. But magnify me, glorify your son, that your son may magnify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Now, those of us who have been saved, uh, we didn't do anything to save ourselves. We didn't do anything to save ourselves. And now that we're, we're saved because of what he did. So he says that God the Father has given him the authority over all flesh that he should do what? Give eternal life to uh, all or as many as the Father has given him. Now, what kind of life was it? Eternal life. It's eternal life. So that doesn't mean that when you fail today, I'm not speaking of uh, loosey-goosey, uh, uh, anything goes Christianity. But I'm saying when you are, are saved, you cannot be saved temporarily. It's, not, it's an impossibility. And I grew up as a young boy, Pentecostal. My folks were Pentecostal. And uh, all, many of my relatives were Pentecostal and, and Methodist. Yeah, they, I did, did have some Methodists. And my granddaddy was a Methodist. You know, I, I, okay, I better leave that alone about the rain today. But anyway... Anyway, uh, and so they believe, I don't know exactly how the Methodists believe, but I do know that the Pentecostals believe that, it, that you could go to hell any moment if you didn't do everything just right. You couldn't save yourself, but now you had to keep yourself. There was something strange about the doctrine, and I love, I love my Pentecostal brother, brothers. I still think I'm one. You know, in many regards. And so, and so what, we, what we find here is that Jesus was given the authority to save people forever. And so what is it based on? Is it based on a whim or is it based on, on something else? It's based on his selfless sacrifice of his death. It's based on the efficacy, the effectiveness of his death. It's based on the efficacy of his own blood, his own life. Your salvation was not bought with, with uh uh, silver and gold, Peter tells us, but with, with the precious blood of Christ. 
So, he, so then he gives us eternal life. So that means that once you are in, you are in. That's what the Bible says. Now, if you have further discussions, I'll sit down with my Bible and you bring yours. And you better bring your uh, lunch too. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. And listen what he tells us. And this is eternal life. What is eternal life? That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So this is what he says to us. So if you don't, if you don't have to work to get something, you got it because God loves you, you, you and, and now you don't have to work now to keep it. No, you, you, you should have good works, but, but not, not, because, not to be saved, but because you're saved. Your good works come because you are. Hallelujah. The Father has given Christ this authority over all flesh that Christ should give eternal life to all or as many as the Father has given him, and this Eternal life is knowing God the Father and God the Son intimately, intimately, in an intimate way, intimately. And once you are intimate in that way, you cannot say it didn't happen. When the word of God came into your heart, that, that was the intimacy that God required. When that word of God entered your heart, there was a connection. The life of Jesus Christ came there. The life of God the Father, the Holy Spirit were there. Hallelujah. Now notice what Jesus says in verse 4. I have glorified you on the earth. I've magnified you. Your life and my life are to magnify the Lord. It's not for us. Well, I want this and I want that. That's not what it's for. Christianity is not a get-out-of-hell-free card for you. So then what it says, I have glorified you on earth. I've magnified you. I have honored you. Does your life honor the Lord? Does your life honor him? Does your life magnify the Lord? That's what it's for. That's what it's for. Now, if, if you're not doing any of that, then we have to ask another question. Uh, are you saved? Now, this is what Jesus says. And Jesus says these things. It's amazing. He says these things uh, before the cross. You know, he says, I've, I've overcome the world, he told them, before the cross. Because he, that re resoluteness that was in him said, as you have been, so shall you be. And this is what he is saying. And I believe this. I believe that for all of us today. So what I'm saying this because we are living in difficult times. We're living in times when many uh, Christians, believers, are perplexed. Some of them say, what are we going to do? We're going to do what we've been doing. So what Jesus is saying right here is, I've been victorious over everything the enemy has thrown at me, and I will be victorious until the end. That's what Jesus is saying. So my heart is that you and I will not take our eyes off the Lord. We will not start looking at worldly things. There are some things uh, in the world, Paul tells us not to misuse the world. There are some things in the world that we need, you know. I mean, we get food and clothing and shelter and those kinds of things. But let's don't want any of the world's other stuff, Amen. its position and so forth. Amen. He says, I have finished the work, magnified. Uh, I have... Uh, Magnified the Lord, my, my God, my Father. 
which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And so Jesus is praying for himself that, that, that soon he and the Father would be united, not reunited as though they have been apart, because the Father's always been in him and he has always been in the Father. But he, he is saying, I'm going to, as it were, physically come back to you. That's what he's saying to him. And so you and I, are all, we're one with, with God the Father right now. We're one with Jesus, but one day we're going to be physically. Yeah. We're going to be right there face to face, like shaking hands and hugging. I'm telling you. Uh, I'm telling you. I, I wish I could just digress and tell you some things, uh, but, but we'll, if I have a moment, I'll just share something with you. Christ prays now for his disciples, and uh, he's, not, he's praying for himself. I know sometimes people misunderstand this. I've heard people say, you know, you'll see somebody in an interview on TV, well, I used to do all this for these people, and I did all this for them, and, and I just had to learn to do something for myself. And, and, and if you don't do something, and it's, a, it's something that rings hollow there. It's something that's just not godly there. You know, what Jesus was doing uh, in, in the very first uh, few verses, he was showing us what uh, eternal life is. And he cannot apologize for who he is and who his dad is, his father is. And so he was talking about uh, who, uh, what it is as, as he was praying for himself and uh, the fact that he had done all of these things. And because he had lived so well, now you and I can also live well. Now, living well, I don't mean, you know, eating whatever you want to eat every day, you know, wearing whatever you want to wear. I'm saying living well is living unto God. That's what biblical living well is. And he had lived every day unto God the Father. I, I, I love that. I want to live every day unto the Father and the Son. I, because my only way to God the Father is through the Son. Your only way is through the Son. We've got to know what that is. And then we, have, we ought to know the joy it brings. It brings immeasurable joy. Immeasurable joy. Oh, wow immeasurable joy. And let me just say this, and, and we can explain it later. And I don't want to knock anybody off, off their game, but most of us are living close to God, but not as we ought. We have an understanding of God, but there's more. There's more. If you're sitting here today and say, I don't know, I don't know about that more. I'm living with, I would say there's more. Because there are depths to him that, that having lived a long time, I'm exploring now. Depths for the first time. The depths. Let me move on. Now, verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. I have manifested your name. I've manifested it. What Jesus is saying is, I have been the example of, of your name. I have manifested your name. Everything that you are, I embody. And I have shown them experientially who you are. That's why when uh, he was going back to heaven and, and uh, he said, uh, um, the, uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And the disciples said, well, sure, us the Father. That'd be enough. He says, have I been so long with you, Philip, and you don't know me? Or have I been so long with you and you don't know me, Philip? 
have I been so long with you? I have exemplified the Father. I have manifested the Father. Everything that I've done is the Father. That's who the Father is. The Father is the one who breaks bread and gives it to hungry people. The Father is the one who heals sick people and cleanses leprosy. The Father is the one who raises the dead. And so I, what, I do what the Father does. So when I call Lazarus out from among the dead, that was the Father. I was showing you the Father. Everything I did. When, when, I, did, when I didn't just wipe you off the face of the earth when you were doing all those crazy things, that's the Father's love for you. That's what Jesus is saying. That is amazing. So he wants us to understand, to grasp this amazing role of his high priestly ministry. And he says to them, they were yours. You gave them to me. I love this language. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now, because they got weak later did not mean that this is error. This is not error. They had done all that they were able to do. Now, when the Spirit of God came, when the Holy Spirit came, he was going to fortify that. You see, you, you and I cannot do what God requires without God. We cannot do what God requires without God. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. Now, you can't even really, in reality, talk to God without God. You need the Holy Spirit, spirit talking to spirit. Your flesh and spirit came. They, they can't connect. So God gave us the spirit. He gave us his spirit. And so now from within us, we, we commune with God on the same wavelength, on the same page with God. Isn't that amazing? So God, God has given you and, uh, his spirit. So now you know things of God. Your neighbors don't know, so don't, don't, don't feel like, well, I just feel like slapping my neighbor. You know, don't go there. Your, your neighbor is a fleshly person. Your, your, your neighbor doesn't have the Spirit of God, so you, your responsibility, your job is to demonstrate, manifest, just like Jesus. Hallelujah. It says, I love the Word of God, don't you? I love the Word of God. Now, listen to what he says. Now, they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. Before I go further, the Word of God has become more precious to me this year than ever before. And I was a, a kid who read, I'm not, not boasting in who I was, because, you know, just like any other kid, I was a kid. You know, and uh, so you, some days you're just as sweet and holy, and one day you just, people think, man, where are you from? You know, I, I mean, I was there too. But, but I remember loving the Word of God, loving the Word of God, reading the Word of God. But this year I've read it and enjoyed it more than ever. Because this is what Jesus is saying, is um, he had given them, uh, for I have given to them the words which you have given to me. You and I are so honored by God. Uh, we're, that's one way we are glorifying God. We're so honored by God that God would give us his own words. So you and I now have the words of God. Now, I don't want you to just let that go through one ear and out the other. You now have the words of God. You and I speak the words of God. I can always tell people who have been spending time with God by the words they use and speak. Yeah. I'm telling you. 
Yeah, because we have the words of God. There, there's a way that, that you and I will gather those words and, and disseminate those words, speak forth those words. We'll do that. Actually, mm, they've been with God. You, you, you remember how the way the disciples comported themselves, Peter and John uh, in particular, comported themselves in the Sanhedrin go, they've been with Jesus. They, they've been with Jesus. They, they've been with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, because of the words of God. And then he says, and they have received them. They were given and they were received. And they have known. <laughs> Can we do that one more time? Now, they, uh, verse 7, now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. They have known it. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. They have received them. I've given them to them. They've received them. And they have known, surely, that I came forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Do you qualify there? Amen. Amen. You qualify there. You must qualify there. Now, listen to what Jesus then says about his disciples. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but I pray for those whom you've given me, for they are yours. So here he's praying for his disciples. He's not praying that God would, as it were, work everything out in this world system so his disciples will be comfortable. I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for those you've given to me. They're the special object of my praying. And in and, and that message I shared, Jesus prayed for you. I said, because Jesus prayed for you, you're going to overcome everything that the enemy throws at you. He can throw at you, as it were, everything in the kitchen and the sink. And you're going to overcome. There have been times in our lives, I'm sure in yours, there have been times in mine, and I was crying out to God, I'm not going to make it through this one. I'm here testifying against myself. I'm not going to make it through this one, Jesus. I'm not going to make it, Jesus. Here I am. I made it through. I didn't make it through on my own. I made it through because he prayed for me. And you're going to make it through because he prayed for you. Come on. We are the people of God, the children of God. We are the overcomers. And that means something has to come against you and you have to get over it. We want to be overcomers without uh, any obstacles. Are you with me? So let me hurry. And then he says in verse 10, and all mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified or magnified in them. Uh, you know, let's, let's make it our aim to magnify Jesus. And, and, and listen, may I just say this? Uh, let's don't be crazy. Let's don't do crazy stuff and say, uh, well, that was, I, that was God. No. Let's, let's don't do crazy stuff. You know, let's just get hold of our emotions and get hold of our minds and think like God, ha have the mentality of God. Let, let's, be it, let's be that way. And th because he says, I am magnified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Now, what an amazing prayer, that they may be one as we are. 
God's saying, I want them to be one. I want them to stop the, the, the bickering. I want them to stop having their position and, and put, making somebody else an enemy because they have a different position and, and that kind of thing. I, I, wanna, I want them to stop holding on to this sphere of the world. And, and so, be, oh, they're over there. And, uh, and th- yeah, I know they go to church, but they're not with us. No. Jesus says, I want the whole body of Christ to be one. Just as you and I are, Father. We cannot do that with secular eyes and secular inclinations. We, that, and it makes me ask the question, are we who or, or is that person who they say they are? If, or, or are you who you say you are? Because we are to be one as the Father and the Son are one have the same goals, the same purposes. Let me just kind of uh, digress for a moment, just a moment. And I've told you this before, but it bears repeating. Since a long time, decades, I've had one goal, and I know it wasn't because I was smart. It was because somehow the Holy Spirit cracked, you know, something and got in there, right? But this one goal is, that for all believers and wherever I am in the world, that this is one message I want to leave with everybody. That one goal for you as a believer is that you would desire that the knowledge of the glory of, of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That wherever you sit, you want the knowledge of the glory of the Lord to cover that seat. Wherever you walk, you want the knowledge of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ to be in that place. That's the centrality of your message. And, and if you go around and you ask Christians, well, uh, what, what um, uh, is your vision? Well, I got a vision for youth. Well, another one, well, what is your vision? Well, I've got a, a, a vision for uh, adults. Well, what is your vision? Well, I've got a, a vision uh, for education. What is your vision? Uh, I've got a vision for... Um, Marriages. Thank you. That's one. Yeah, I've got a vision for marriages. I've got, let's see, what are all these visions? Well, we're going in all these directions, the multiplicity of directions. We should have one vision. You know, we, we talk about Islam a lot of times out here in Christian circles, how, how crazy Islam is. Islam is Islam. You know what? You can fast the taxi cab driver. What is his vision? I'm not saying this because Islam has one vision. I'm saying this. I, knew, I had one vision before I knew Islam had one vision. Ask the taxi driver, what is your vision? The Islamization of the world. Ask the doctor, Islamization of the world. A- ask the psychiatrist, same thing. Ask any same thing. And we're talking about, oh, they, they can't do anything because, well, come on. You need to get a vision. You need to magnify Jesus wherever you are. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus Christ. As we used to sing, Jesus in the morning, Jesus at noon, Jesus at supper time, however that song went. It's all Jesus. Let's do it. All Jesus. I want, I want the knowledge of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ to cover this earth as the waters cover the sea. I want the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ to be in my home. I want it to be in the White House. I want it to be in, 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 the, in the state capitol. I want it to be in every schoolhouse. But not my version. I want him. And that's what Jesus prayed for. Come on. Uh, I'm not going to get to where I wanted to go. But let me just say this. 
I bring you back to a situation in my life, a situation in my life when uh, I was on the, uh, drilling oil wells and gas wells, you know, some uh, Middle East back here in Texas and Louisiana. I remember one of the situations, and I've told you, but it bears repeating, where a young man was complaining about what the, the owners of that hole in the ground wanted him to do. They were complaining. They were complaining. Well, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do that? Why do we have to come to church when it's raining? <laughs> maybe, maybe something like that. <laughs> but he was, they were complaining, complaining and complaining and complaining. And it just vexed me. I'm not saying it was holy vexation, but it vexed me. I said, look, I don't remember the dollar figure, but, I, but it's been many decades ago or something. I said something to this effect. Listen, this man is paying $60,000 a day for this hole in the ground. Let's give him what he wants. What, what if he wants us to do something that we don't think is necessary? He's paying $60,000 of his money. Now, today it may be 100000 or $200,000 a day for this, this hole in the ground. Let's give him what he wants. And so I, I look at this for all believers, and I'm going to end with this one. But for all of us, Jesus Christ prayed for us. So whatever he asks, let's give it to him. It's not what you think he ought to have. You're finite. Jesus is infinite. Give him what he wants. If he wants you to leave everything, you leave everything. He tells you to quit your job. Now, some of you, if you're lazy, don't quit. I've been waiting on that prayer to be answered. Yeah, because that wasn't God. But when he, when he said to me, this is what I want you to do. And he said it to many of you. This is what I want you to do. And when I knew what he wanted me to do, it did, not, it did not matter what anybody else said to me. Now, sometimes we can be wrong in that. But God had been leading me in the direction. This is not your rest. This job is not your rest. You've always wanted a very good income for your family. But this is not your rest. This is not your rest. I want you to leave him. But this is what he said to me. But whatever you do, I'll bless you. Can you imagine that? You tell me you want me to leave, but you tell me whatever I do. Now, he'd already told me I want you to leave. And so do I go with the whatever you do? No, I do with I leave. And I can remember the day when I told my wife, es todo. <laughs> and she says, si, es todo. I said, this is it. I, I, I've got to leave. We had a discussion. I have to leave, sweetie. I've got to go because he beckons. What are you, what are you holding out on? Do you, is it your way or is it God's way? Are you going to come into alignment with Jesus' high priestly prayer? Or are you going to do that? Are you going to say yes to him? Do whatever he says. And in this troublesome time, this troublesome hour, do it all the more. And then at the final day, he said, I've given all.
I think there's a song that says, I surrender all. All to him, I surrender all to him, I will give him all. Amen? I love you and I'll come back in a minute.